0: Astrological, where we talk about lots of things all tied into the magic of astrology. I'm Lynette, your host and the founder of Cosmic Moves Astrology, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. This is another forecast episode with my Astro BFF, Dana of Self Help Witch, and we're talking all about the month of April. One special thing is that we have a special guest appearance from somebody who's never been on the podcast it's his first podcast appearance in existence. Dana's baby Vinny is on the show because she was taking care of him while we recorded. So if you hear a little baby noise here and there, just know it's Vinny and he's adorable and it's great. Most of April, we're in Aries season. We usually change signs around the 20th of each month or take a couple of days. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I love the astrological new year, which starts at the beginning of Aries season, because it's a time for fresh starts that aligns when nature is full of fresh starts. And I think there's something really beautiful about aligning with that physically and spiritually and mentally and all of those things. The astrological new year starts with Aries season. So it's just like happy new year celebrations. But it's actually during the season when we have the energy of the heavens supporting us with physical endeavors and new beginnings. And a lot of the things that people associate with New Year's resolutions actually can stick a little bit better if we do them at the beginning of Aries season, which is very exciting. I'm actually recording this on April 2nd, this intro, and it happens to be my dad's birthday. Happy birthday to my dad. I love him so much. The biggest gift (laughs) that I actually received was last night, my mom was doing a little digging in some of my grandma's papers and found my dad's birth time. Now we have been trying to figure this out for years. Rectification is not one of my strengths as an astrologer in terms of being able to to use someone's chart to actually find the time they were born, if we don't know that. So I've dabbled in it. I've tried to figure it out. I haven't had much luck when it comes to my dad, but now I don't need to because (laughs) my grandma wrote it all down. So to be able to connect and understand his rising sign and his moon sign and his houses, because the houses are set based on what your rising sign is, is really exciting. And I think to also be able to work with someone's chart who is more experienced in life and has had a lot more things happen to them and just be able to validate a lot of those aspects in their chart will be super, super interesting. And it's an interesting juxtaposition because my cousin just had a baby and I did a reading for her. And to see the contrast of working with someone who just entered the world and seeing their chart and its potentials, and then also seeing someone's chart who has seen a lot of that life and actually experienced it already is just interesting as an astrologer to see kind of how those two things balance out. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. And if you would like me to look at your chart, you know I'm always thrilled to work with you one-on-one and see what makes you you. You can book a reading with me at cosmicmoves.com slash shop. I would be honored to work with you and look at your chart. With that being said, wishing you a happy Aries season. We'll get into the episode right now so you can hear all about Aries season yourself, the next Mercury retrograde, and all the other fun stuff that's happening this April. Take care, and here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the our April forecast recording. We have a special guest with us today. Little Vinny. A Hi. month old. Yes. One of our newest residents of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of
1: strange. It's already been a month, um, but he's here. He's
0: killing the, the living game. <laughs> he's doing great. You both are doing great. You, I... Now I keep telling you this, but I'm so proud of you. And he is so cute. I just want to squeeze him. I want to fly to St. Louis and squeeze him. I'm Lynette from Cosmic Moves Astrology. We tend to do this every time. We just dive right in. And who are you? Vinny's mama?
1: Yeah, Vinny's mom, a.k.a. Dana from Self-Help Witch.
0: (laughs) And we're going to talk all about, well, partially about all about would be impossible to do in an hour the astrology for april and it's kind of wild yeah it's definitely less busy
1: i would say there's still stuff happening some ingresses and whatnot but there's a few things that are the real big news so we'll focus on those and talk a little bit about something that's happening today as we're recording pluto
0: and aquarius Yeah, I think I feel like March has been wild because this week has these three big things. But it's really just been this week. And then it's leading us into April where the big, big deals continue. So it's very exciting. We're so grateful to be here on the planet at this time. Um, Let's start by pulling a card. Give you your little ASMR moment. I love it. Okay, so we picked this deck because Pluto entered Aquarius today, and that means aliens. (laughs) In, In one word, Aquarius means aliens. So we're working with the Starseed Oracle by Rebecca Campbell, and I'm talking over the ASMR. And this is a card for the Energy of April, whether you're listening to it now or later. It's a message for you regardless, Take what resonates, leave the rest. Dana, please tell me when to stop shuffling. Okay. Now, right. oh, the great severing. Mars energy, fascinating. Anger, conflict, softening to love. That looks like Mars.
1: It does anger conflict and softening to love that softening to love feels very
0: different from the rest of the descriptors i know let's see what we're supposed to learn from this okay i know we were not recording our conversation yesterday but listen to this dana because it has to do with something you mentioned this is a shadow card one that may feel confrontational Don't be afraid. It's here to bring to the surface anything that's standing in the way of letting love in. The warring planet of Mars, which is the ruler of Aries, which is Aries season, which is what we're talking about today, is our constant reminder that it's important to soften, forgive, and find our way back to love. There are many things in the human experience that make it difficult for our heart and soul to stay open to the never-ending source of love. We're all wounded, and our unconscious wounds inflict wounds on others. It can feel like a never ending dance we can never escape. If we aren't careful, before long, we'll see the world as a scary, dangerous place where fear and anxiety roam free. If this card surfaces, it could be for two reasons. Firstly, for you to acknowledge the difficult emotions, situations, conflicts, wounds, and fears wow, that's a long <laughs> that are causing now you pain and anxiety. And secondly, for you to find your way back to love. When we're hurt, it's normal to close off our heart to the world, to let the painful experience confirm the agony of separation in earthly life. Soften and find your way back to love anyway. When fear, anxiety, and paranoia paralyze you, it's normal to want to hide away from others and the world. Come out of your cave and soften your heart anyway. We are all innocent children spinning our way around the world. Find a way to see innocence in all people, especially yourself. I have a few questions for anyone who would like to meditate contemplate on this how are you cutting yourself off from love and how can you soften toward those who have hurt you oh well
1: yeah that's a really interesting dichotomy i've never thought about mars like that as an invitation to soften to love
0: <laughs> then he agrees
1: Right, a lot to say about that too. But it makes sense uh, that when you're feeling aggressive or
0: activated, you're closed off. So how do you get out of that as you soften? What I like what this mentions is like, we all are connected to eternal love. We're all connected. We're all one at the end of the day, right? We're all, like it said, spinning around on this planet together through space. And I think Mars helps us with the illusion that we are against something or that we have to fight for something or that we're separate. I think the other side of Mars that people forget in terms of traditional rulership and Scorpio is that softer side. Now we associate it with Aries and the fire and the battle, (laughs) the god of war and all of that stuff, but it's also that passion and like Scorpio is the ultimate sexy passionate sign and like we don't really associate that with mars but it is part of who who mars is
1: yeah what you're saying about mars makes a lot of sense though because you can you have a choice with that passion it can be anger which will end up leading to separation or it can be passion and love it can lead to connection if you let it and You know, as I always think about Mars, like in its uh, productive sense, as like a Joan of Arc type, like someone who's so passionate and cares so much about something that they're willing to go fight for
0: it, but from a place of love and not defensiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always a choice, right? Everyone's choosing which Mars they want to work with, whether they're doing it consciously or not. I would say this is an invitation to choose that side of Mars, but (laughs) it's up to everyone to do it. I
1: agree. This is a perfect segue into Aries season, I think, talking about Aries season. I
0: agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're entering. We have entered into Aries season. We have celebrated the astrological new year, which everybody knows for me (laughs) is second to your solar return in terms of intention setting and goals and resolutions and all of that stuff. And it starts at zero degrees with Aries which is the spring equinox, which is rebirth and excitement because the sun is out longer. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. So, Dana, what does Aries season mean to you? How do you think people can work best with it over these next couple of weeks before we change into Taurus season? I agree with
1: everything you said about like new beginnings. That's really what I think of when I think of Aries energy. It's so good for just starting something. And something I was thinking about kind of recently, uh, Vinny has an Aries stellium, and he is the only person in my life that I'm aware of that has really any Aries placements, let alone that many <laughs> Aries placements. His moon, his rising, Jupiter, Venus, Chiron, all Aries So I've been thinking a lot about Aries energy just because one, I don't really know that many people with Aries energy and two, um, it's my seventh house. So it's really different from the way I tend to operate. And I I think that my working knowledge of Aries, it tends to go to the stereotypes for that reason (laughs) of just like enter into whatever you wanna do blindly and like dumb confidence (laughs) in those kinds of things. And I know it's not Clearly, that's not the whole story with Aries. So I've been thinking, like, what is it really about? And I think it's really about the confidence that comes from knowing yourself. When I think about fire, and I know you want to talk about this too, but when I think about fire, I think about um, quickness and being able to move quickly. And why is that? It's because of that passion that we were talking about with Mars. And and you are able to have that passion about something because you know what you believe. You, like your convictions are clear to you. And so you don't question what you're going to do um, or what steps you're going to take. You just know you can do it or, or that you should do it because it, it aligns with what is important to you. Long story short, <laughs> that's a long-winded answer, but when I think about Aries now, I think about... Yes, confidence. Yes, moving quickly. But also, underneath that, a foundation of, I know who I am. And that's why I can move quickly.
0: I love that. It ties in. I was listening to Kira Sutherland. She's an Aries. I didn't realize that. She was doing a forecast episode on another podcast. And she was talking about how Aries like, kind of the stereotype is the ready, fire aim, right? Like, acting impulsively Mm -hmm. and, like, just doing stuff before thinking. (laughs) And I really liked her take on it because part of it ties into what you're saying. Like, I know who I am. I trust myself. So I'm going to do this. But she said, for her personally, it's about the journey. Like, she's not focused on what the end outcome is, which is why it's very comfortable for her and, like, in general, Aries energy to just be like, I'm just going to take action because that's the right thing for me to do. And Aries being the first sign of the Zodiac, it's like the pioneer. Like, it's the one that's going to go out there and try new things because it has to, right? I mean, we're talking about spring and all of the little plants that are getting ready to poke their little heads out and be brave, right? Like, that's scary. <laughs> you might get right. trampled on or picked or, you know, whatever. Um. So there's a real bravery and confidence that may come from like that purpose or that drive or that like mission based feeling but it's maybe it's a sense of just like a calling or that Aries energy whether you're like an Aries sun or have a lot of Aries placements but it's just like a pool to just take action because that's what you feel like you're meant to do mm-hmm. yeah and I think
1: what you just said though about What's the next right thing to do? Like, that's how I think we can embrace this energy. That's how you get over fear, too. That's why Aries appear brave. Maybe it's just that they're not overthinking. (laughs) You know, they're not, they're just doing the next best thing. And that's what all of us can do to, to like, move into action in anything we want to do. I
0: think the other it's like, ready, fire, aim, and then also, like, put your oxygen mask on first before others, right? So it's also the season of, like, taking care of yourself. Ruled by Mars. So, you know, if there were ever a time to set a, quote, New Year's resolution about fitness or exercise or, you know, any sort of things, like, this is the time to do it. Because you have Mars supporting you. You have the Aries New Beginnings Energy supporting you. And... That's all. I don't know where I was going
1: with that. And I will add to that, an exalted sun. The sun is celebrated in Aries because it's, as you said, the spring equinox daytime has taken over in dominance from night. So um, that means that all things solar are celebrated right now. And your yourself (laughs) is definitely a solar thing. So take care of yourself. Capital S. Oh, that's what I was talking
0: about. Thank you. (laughs) Oxygen mask thing, the shadow side of the stereotype is like selfish, but it's like I can't take action unless I take care of myself first. So, you know, it makes sense. And I think that's important for all of us to remember, whether we have, I have like zero (laughs) Aries. Same with you. But, you know, it's easy for those of us who don't have a lot of that energy to not take action or not take care of ourselves then good for you people who do that naturally <laughs> it's a
1: practice and I will say you know if for my Lynette and I have labor placements and uh, others out there who tend to be like us question what you categorize as selfish is it really selfish why do you think it's selfish who taught you that was selfish right like where does that come from because I think a lot of at least personally speaking, I had to unlearn what I thought was selfish because I I realized it was necessary stuff that I needed to do for myself. Is it setting boundaries? You know, because a lot of the time when I have set boundaries, I've been called selfish and I had to really like unlearn (laughs) that conditioning. So now's a good time to, to ask that question. I think, is it really selfish?
0: I think that kind of ties into the card as well, like the great severing and softening to love because we don't think about ourselves. We always think about it in context with other people. That's kind Mm -hmm. of where our minds go first. So it's like, okay, conflict, softening to love with other people and like we're all one. Everything I just said. But it's also like, what's the conflict you have within yourself? Like, maybe you're saying yes yeah. to all these people, but you don't want to. So, how can you soften into that and like actually setting a boundary is showing yourself self love because you're not stressing about, you know, XYZ thing or not having enough time or like you just don't want to do it. So, I think we should think about that. And <laughs> yeah, we will. We are. Okay. Good plan. <laughs> what I did want to talk about, Dina, I've kind of been saving this because we haven't talked about it outside of the podcast, about fire signs in general, like fire as an element in astrology. So when we talk about fire as an element, it's maybe the most relatable because people are like, oh, that person's fiery, right? Right. Like they have energy or maybe they have a temper or they're impulsive. In a lot of ways is the element that people like connect most easily to in terms of the description. My agibanchurist was telling me that that she went, she's from Colombia. She went to do this fire ritual in the jungle Like, slept amongst the animals overnight. Amongst the animals. I had done this women's circle at my chiropractor's office. I have a great team of supporters, since I'm talking about all of them right now. And it was all about lunar cycles and I pulled everyone's charts, but at the beginning I pulled a card and it was the fire card, which I was like, well, that's really interesting because the Virgo's earth and Pisces is water. And like, what the heck is this fire card doing? And then my acupuncturist was doing some cupping on me and actually saw the fire because it freaked me out a little bit. And she was like, oh, that's so interesting that you noticed it because most people don't. And then she started telling me about the ceremony and she said, fire transforms. And she was telling you about this community in Hawaii when the volcano and the lava starts coming down. They celebrate. They have a party because they're like, the earth has been so generous to give us this land for a while. And now she needs to recoup it and regenerate the soil and all that stuff. So, yay, we're going to head out for a little while and then we'll come back. But it totally shifted my perspective because I've never actually thought about fire as transformative because I think I associate that with Pluto and Scorpio and water and then it comes back to what we were just talking about about how Mars used to rule Scorpio (laughs) and I had this huge epiphany because I don't like when we think about Pluto and Scorpio we also think about it being represented by the phoenix and that's fire and Right. It all makes sense when you talk about it, but like at the time, I was like, wait a minute, this is wild. Like, I've never actually connected these dots. So, I just wanted to know what you think about all of that.
1: I love it. I mean, as soon as you said volcano, and I was like, okay, yes, yeah, like the dots started connecting. Absolutely, fire's transformative. And I've kind of forgotten that myself. Again, not having any fire in my chart. I think it's always easier to to go deep when you have a lived experience with the placements or the, in this case, the element. <laughs> I think that it's a much more helpful keyword. You can go much deeper with transformative than you can with, I don't know, any other keyword I'm thinking of when I, I think agree. of fire. <laughs> fire. Yeah, exactly. Like, what does that even mean, actually? Because it really just leads back to stereotypes. I- impulsive temperamental like argumentative none of those are good things and i mean sure it could be that way but it's also reminding me of what we we're just talking about the transformation is in the action like you're willing to do something different to to take a di- take a new step to take a leap and in doing that you can Transform. I don't know if there's really a connection there, but I, I feel like there is.
0: <laughs> I think so. And I think also the element of celebration, right? I would have never necessarily connected those dots of celebration and fire, but Sagittarius is, I would say, the most celebratory sign, and that's a fire sign. So I think there's this, for me, I'm uncovering this connection of celebratory oh. transformation when it comes to fire signs. And wow, that's so exciting,
1: yeah, it makes it a lot more multidimensional. I think. Yes. Yes. And I, I love that. Thank you for that insight. I like, again. Well, so again, Vinny, very fiery. My husband, very sage stellium. Um, mm-hmm. And I still am always. You must have a party. Like all my, time. <laughs> there's so much fire around me, and it, I still find it kind of elusive, honestly. So that's super helpful for me. So thank
0: you. Well, I have my Leo moon, which is, like, so confusing to me sometimes. And I guess this helps. I hadn't actually connected it to that, but I'll, I'll keep working on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I feel like there's a lot to, with a moon placement and the transform like, I feel like there's a lot to think about there that's, like, really interesting.
0: Okay. Thank you for indulging me.
1: I loved it. And I, I feel like people listening will get a lot out of that too so
0: then he liked it too he's like thank you for talking about my stellium i think that that will be
1: like super helpful for people i guess i didn't have anything else to say about that i'm sorry
0: <laughs> no i i mean obviously i had this big aha moment but it's interesting because to me at least because i love astrology i'm like i can't get enough of it i think about it all the time i feel like i'm never gonna learn everything that I want to learn even if I study 24 hours a day every day but these are the kind of things that make me so excited because I mean this was my revelation about fire because I don't have very much of that in my chart but anyone could have similar revelations about you know air if they don't have a lot of that in their chart or water or any of the elements or yeah. signs or anything it's just magical
1: I have one more thing about this and then I'll I'll leave it alone but You were just making me think about something I thought about yesterday. Lynette and I were talking about zodiacal releasing. And I've been kind of thinking more about these more advanced techniques. And, like, how much do we really need all of the tools? You know? Like, we can really get a lot out of the basics. And we just had a very deep, very useful conversation about the elements. Right? Like... You don't have to know all the things to get great insight from your chart or astrology. So I just want to put that out there for anyone that's trying to learn astrology right now. I'm feeling like, oh my God, there's so much. There is so much. You have your
0: whole life to learn it. And where you're at right now, you have plenty to go deep with. I love that so much because I think we always need a reminder. We. I always need a reminder <laughs> It's so easy to get overwhelmed, partly because of the passion, you know, the motivation, all of that Aries, Mars stuff. But Rick Levine, my mentor, is teaching that class about harmonics. And he's like, these are great. It's a wonderful addition. There's a reason why people are able to do astrology without them. And he gives this example of someone who was teaching about astrology like a long time ago and had a mystery chart. And left out Mars. And nobody noticed during the whole lesson. Then he revealed the chart was Muhammad Ali's chart, which oh. is ironic to make Mars out for, right? Because he's a boxer.
1: And his Mars is very important. It, like, it's it speaks to what he
0: does in his chart. Exactly. And then he added it in, and everyone was like, oh. But they did this whole reading and study of this guy's chart, and it still resonated without... Arguably the most important planet, given his reputation and like career and all of that stuff. So you can do astrology with like three planets. The the true gift is the understanding of the archetypes and and the intuition that you have about it yourself, instead of following a step by step process or some book or whatever. Wow, we went really deep. We did. I loved it. We always do that. Okay, what's next?
1: Yeah, so that's Aries season, and we are going to move into Taurus season in April, which is a nice slowdown from Aries season. What I love about Taurus season is, you know, we just talked a lot about fire and how it moves quickly, and there's a time for that, and then after that, it feels really nice to slow down and get grounded. So we can ask ourselves during Taurus season, and of course we'll get more into this Next month when we're deeper into Taurus season, but for now, you know, you can approach that energy thinking about what makes you feel grounded and stable. Taurus is ruled by Venus, and Venus is among many things about values. So Venus and Taurus are both grounded in values. Sort of similar to what we were saying about Aries, but from a little bit different vantage point. Taurus knows what matters to them, and that's why they're able to be grounded They're grounded in their values. So what makes you feel grounded? What's important to you? What makes you feel stable?
0: For me, Taurus is about like the sensual pleasures, like literally laying in the grass and having the best picnic with the best food and great music and a soft blanket. Like it's all about just pleasure. So we have this fiery, initiatory, physical Aries energy now, and you know that if you put in the work and you start taking action, you do stuff for Aries season, you get Taurus season as your reward, right? Mm-hmm. It's practically summertime. Like, <laughs> you're going to be out on patios. You're going to have longer days. So, something to look forward to. We can luxuriate. Yes. Taurus, to me, is pleasure and luxury. And I know it's grounded and practical and determined and all of those things, but... Ugh, I just always, like, sigh when I think of tourists.
1: <laughs> it is absolutely also sensual pleasure, 100%. Yeah.
0: All five senses, bring them out. <laughs> bring them out, bring them out. <laughs> I know, I was going to say that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> I, I'll
1: say it, it's okay. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Okay, let's dig into our key moments.
1: Okay, so... We have two. The first is the new moon solar eclipse in Aries. And the second is Mercury retrograde. Dun, 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 dun.
0: Panic, panic.
1: <laughs> don't panic, panic. Don't panic. Yeah, don't panic. We literally say this every time.
0: <laughs> We're like, it's fine. Nobody panic.
1: Well, I feel like you have to say that with. First of all, there's always going to be an astrologer out there that will doomsday any transit. It could be like the best transit ever and someone will be like, oh God, here we go. But we have an eclipse and a Mercury retrograde. Those are things that people historically panic over. So,
0: Oh my gosh, the world is ending. Please hide me under a rock.
1: Yeah, we got. so we got to say it. And honestly, let, well, you know what? Let's just get into the eclipse because I feel like there are some things that are a little crunchier maybe.
0: What do you see, Lynette? I think in general with these quote unquote scary things, we have to remember no matter what happens, whether it's good in quotation marks, bad or scary or happy or whatever, it all matters where it shows up in your chart. Like right. it's all—it's always going to impact people differently. Now we feel it as a collective. That is also true. But there's no like black or white. This is going to be horrible. This is going to be great across the board because all of our charts are different. Eclipses are probably second in line to astrological fear-mongering to Mercury retrograde. Maybe Saturn return. I don't, it's like the trio, I would say. True, true. <laughs> and I think it's because back in like ancient times, eclipses must have been very scary, right? The moon turns red. The sun disappears. Like, <laughs> that's got to be... Yeah pretty frightening, right? And I think as humans, our biological response, like literally our electrical current changes during eclipses. And so, yeah, it's change. Big whoop. Everything changes all the time. It's just a different kind of change. And that's why astrology is so great, because it kind of demystifies it and allows you to figure out how you're going to deal with it. This eclipse is kind of one of the more interesting ones. It's a hybrid solar eclipse. So people in Australia, Southeast Asia are actually gonna see that really cool ring of fire, which is also cool because we're talking about Aries energy and fire. And it's at the very last degree of Aries, 29 degrees. So that's also impactful. So we kind of have this stacking of energy of why this is important, not necessarily scary. Do you want to dive a little bit more into that, Dina?
1: Yeah. So you're talking about the last degree of Aries. So that's where this is a new moon. All right. So anytime we have a solar eclipse, it's a new moon. And this the luminaries, the sun and the moon, are at 29 Aries. So anytime we're at the last degree of a sign, things can be a little more challenging. And just to kind of piggyback off your, like, there's no good, bad, There's it's not so black and white, Remember, too, that things that are challenging are often good for us, and things that feel really easy are often not that helpful. So it really is all relative. So when I say it's more challenging, it might bring something to the surface in the part of your life that the house that's being activated deals with. So if we're in the fifth house, you know, it might be children in your life, it might be your creative pursuits, it might be things of that nature, things you find pleasure in. All that to say uh, it might be a little more challenging in that regard because because we're at tw- the 29th degree now there's also a square between the luminaries and Pluto. Lena, what are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, as much as the 29th degree can be challenging, it can also be very potent. Just your friendly, optimistic astrologer coming through. Love it. Because it's, your, it's like your last chance to like really embrace the energy of that sign before it switches to the next one. So it's like the most Aries that Aries can be. It's an opportunity to be like, yeah, I'm going to take the action. I'm going to be fit or <laughs> insert Aries thing here. Now that square is also a quote-unquote challenging aspect. I am not disputing that. That is just what we call them. But the square to Pluto, Pluto is already having a lot going on changing signs. It hasn't changed signs since 2008 and it hasn't been in Aquarius since the late 1700s when the French and (laughs) American revolutions happened. So we got a lot of energy floating around with that sign change. And with the square, that 90 degree angle is one of stress that leads to growth. So, again, like Dana said, like Dana said, I'm talking to you. Uh, (laughs) It's not necessarily easy, but it's like that little plant that's about to poke its head out, right? Like, that takes a lot of strength and energy, and you have to take care of yourself in order to do that. You have to have the right soil. You have to get water. You have to have the right nutrients. So, this is, I would say, just another – what's the word I'm looking for? Like, another chance To really embrace that energy of like going after what you want and knowing that you're going to have to put some Aries work in, remembering that you have Taurus season coming up as your reward. These eclipses are also oftentimes turning points. So thinking about where that transformation might show up in your life in that house or in the signs that are that are square to it. So like signs that are three away from Aries,
1: you know. I'm thinking about Pluto and fear right now, and because like if it's a square, all right, what is the thing that's causing the friction? Well, Pluto's in the mix, so it could be bringing something to the surface that we were not aware of, and it might make that Aries confidence and courage. It might test that a little bit. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes up, but. Remember, too, last thing I'll say just generally about eclipses is it's very rare for, at least in my experience, my my lived experience reflecting on eclipses, it's super rare for something monumental to happen on the day of the eclipse. Like most of the time, this is going to be a slow burn and you're going to look back in several months and be like, oh, that's what it was.
0: Yeah, eclipses are connected to—they're called saros cycles—and so, that's an astronomical term. So they come in families, which is also really interesting. If you know somebody or you have been born during an eclipse, that eclipse, that story of that saros cycle, will actually color the energy of your life. Like it's a part of your chart, and it may actually be. I think it's this one. Let's just see. I might leave this in here. I might not. But we can see what the theme of the cycle is. Twenty Twenty 7 north. Because knowing the energy of the cycle is also a tool for us to work with the energy, right? Instead of resisting it or being afraid of it. Oh, <laughs> this is scandalous. Okay. You were just talking about Pluto and we talked a lot about Mars and Scorpio. The story for this. Eclipse. I just want to make sure I'm reading the right one. A very sensual family of eclipses, ranging from sudden sexual passions and lust to birth and procreative drives. This series is not subtle and can catch people off guard and confront them with their own very deep passion, which may have been hidden for many years. Well, if that is not a revelation tied into everything that we just talked about, I don't know what is.
1: Totally. What was that book you were just looking at?
0: Ah predictive astrology, Bernadette Brady. She is an angel.
1: The Eagle and the Lark. Okay, yeah, I need that cuz that's a great tool for as you were saying for investigating eclipses.
0: I I love this one and if we want to dig a little bit deeper, we can look at the other eclipses that are associated with this one. The cycle runs from 1900 to 2050 and the cycle comes from when the sun when the eclipses start at basically like the north pole and work their way down or vice versa so that's why it lasts for a certain amount of time and this one in particular is tied to other eclipses that happened in 1915 1933 1951, 1969, 1987, 2005, and 2041. And you can really do a deep dive with um, similar eclipses or the eclipse family. There's another book, I'm trying to think of the name of it, that helps you tie that eclipse in the lunar phase to other dates. So hello, rabbit hole. Like, we are going down it right now. But it's, it's, a, it's a very powerful tool around something that, again, is, like, in that top three of things that freak people out in astrology.
1: <laughs> Love it. Well one other thing, then this might be a good segue into Mercury retrograde, is Mercury is two degrees away from Uranus and Taurus on the day of the eclipse.
0: Girl, watch your words that day is <laughs> all I have to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, we might be um <laughs> we might be saying some things. <laughs> But what's interesting about that from a Mercury retrograde standpoint is 15 degrees is where Mercury will station retrograde two days later.
0: Yeah. So
1: what what are we tracking with the retrograde, Lynette?
0: Well, Mercury, when it's about to stop and turn retrograde or direct, it's basically standing still in the sky, which is why... For two days, because usually Mercury is like, like it's just flying around. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's basically in the same place at that same degree, which is very interesting. And I think the fact that we're talking is it retrograde before or after
1: the eclipse? After. So the eclipse is on April 19th, and then Mercury is retrograde April 21st.
0: Okay. So we're, but we're still feeling that energy of Mercury slowing down, right? And it's about to stop in the sky. So I think in general, considering where you can find stillness and like reflect Mercury's also stillness, especially among all of this stuff that could potentially come up, we're talking about fire energy, we're talking about the last degree of Aries, we're talking about packing in all of this like very potentially explosive passion, right? We just talked about that for the eclipse cycle. So just turning inward with it and Finding stillness with it, which is almost a dichotomy with what we just talked about with all that fire and passion, and kind of understanding what it means for you and how you want to express it, because that's
1: what Mercury is all about. That's great advice for any Mercury retrograde, I think. I know you were talking specifically about like the energy going into it, but like in this specific Mercury retrograde, but that's, I think, useful anytime Mercury is retrograde.
0: Well, and this last year was four times, right? Because it went retrograde in like December 29th. So I think this year it's just like a regular three times a year, which is fine. And our dates, for reference, it will have entered its shadow on March 26th. Pay attention to that date because it's kind of your sneak peek as to what this retrograde might teach you. Okay, so Mercury is going retrograde in Taurus. So look at the Taurus house in your chart. And Aries, because it actually moves backward into Aries. So that's the part of your chart that it's going to be impacting. So on the 26th, you get your sneak peek. What are you supposed to learn? What should you be working on? It actually stops in the sky on April 21st. So again, after that eclipse, like Dana said. And then it's moving backwards until May 14th, where it moves back into Aries. Well, on May 14th, it stops and moves direct. And then it clears its shadow, which is the time for integration and putting a plan together for what you're going to actually take action on after May 31st when it clears its shadow. So March 26th through April 21st, what should I be learning? What what does this retrograde mean for me? April 21st through May 14th, the actual retrograde turning inward, tying up loose ends, working on your inner Mercury things, and then the fourteenth through the thirty first. What are your plans? What are you integrating from what you learned? And then after the thirty first, Mercury zooms forward, and so do you, with all of all of your new knowledge.
1: Lovely, it's such a empowering perspective on a Mercury retrograde too.
0: You gotta work with it. You
1: because what which ones you have? You know, I was listening to a podcast earlier. And another astrologer was talking about, like, preparing for transits and how, like, it's not like a terrain that you're on. You can't just, like, pack trail mix and water and, like, be good to go. <laughs> and I love that. because it, And that kind of thinking makes it – it's anxiety-inducing because it makes it feel like you have to do something to be ready for it. And when in reality, the reason we do this, any kind of – Knowledge about what's coming up is to just move through it mindfully. Mm -hmm. And what you just described is how to move mindfully through Mercury retrograde. You don't have to be ready. (laughs) You know?
0: No. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about with the Mars energy. It's like, we always have a choice. Like, you can choose to put the energy out there that, oh, this is scary. I have to prepare. Like, this is going to be the worst. (laughs) You know? Or, this is going to be the worst I'm going to put my head in the sand. Or you can choose to be like, okay, there's some challenging growth-inducing transits coming up. I'm gonna prepare by taking care of myself, right? Going back to that Aries energy, making sure my basic needs are met. I'm drinking enough water. I'm sleeping enough. All of those things, and knowing that I'm gonna grow from this. It's all of your perspective and your choice to to how you approach these things. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you. Yeah my mercury retrograde natal
1: yeah 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 Lynette knows got a late bloomer over here <laughs> well should we talk about the aliens
0: <laughs> yes last time we talked about clams now we'll talk about aliens yeah <laughs> forgot I about just, the clam. <laughs> I know I don't know why I brought it up again I feel like <laughs> I'd rather forget about it forever <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll continue to obviously explore Pluto and Aquarius. But I have to say, it has been wild leading up to today. Like, I swear, just in the past two to three weeks, like, everyone's talking about chat GPT and, like, this generative AI and, like, all of this stuff. It's been around for a while. But this kind of AI and, you know, the stuff that everyone's talking about is very Aquarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah. Pluto is all about transformation and changing the way that we view the world. And so I think it's just, you know, we were talking about how these things impact the collective, especially when it comes to Pluto. Like, it's just amazing how this stuff shows up. And also very Aquarian topic is aliens. And that's also something that's been kind of bubbling beneath the surface in terms of what governments know or don't know and what they're releasing. And there are many of us out there who... Obviously know that aliens are around and (laughs) are, you know, hopefully helping us. Who knows? But I think that that's one of the things that we'll start to be hearing more about is definitely the technological stuff and the AI. And, like, there's going to have to be catch-up around that in terms of legislation and, like, all the stuff that's always going to be way behind because that never keeps up. But I think we'll see that explosion of technology and, like, otherworldly stuff, whether it's aliens or anything else. I'm really
1: curious to see how all of these things will intersect. So what I, like, 100% everything you just said about Pluto and Aquarius and what's already coming up, what I have been tracking in the last week is what's going on in France, and I don't know a ton about it, but... You know, the last time Pluto was in Aquarius, we had like the age of revolution where there were so many revolutions. And I learned that, you know, it wasn't just America and France. It was lots of like Haiti and all kinds of other, which I didn't know. Um, maybe I shouldn't admit that on a podcast, but whatever. Anyway, I learned something. And Lynette probably knows more about this being, is it a Francophile? Is that the the correct term? Me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially um the prime minister of france raised the retirement age without a vote is that kind of what am i getting that right
0: oh sure
1: i'm, okay, a, I'm not okay, a just, person.
0: i okay the Friends news is actually the only news that i do watch because i have the Friends channel but i only watch it in like little bits i do know about the retirement age and and the trash and do you know about the trash
1: no i'm, I'm nodding my head like i do but i don't
0: All the the trash uh, people have gone on strike, so everything is, like, covered in trash. Well, I was just
1: thinking with the revolutionary aspect, because obviously people are pissed about this retirement age, and they had a—I wish I knew the term. I don't remember, but essentially the people can, like, vote on firing the government, and they had the vote, and they were nine votes away from— a yes vote which apparently is very a very big deal because it's they've had this vote I think like almost a hundred times in France's history and it's only went through one time so for them to get that close it's revolutionary vibes is the long story short and I'm wondering how much of what you were just talking about with like things coming to the surface about Uh, Things the government is keeping from us or like these kind of revolutionary technologies, like how much is that going to play into the revolution of the people, especially in the context of Pluto and Capricorn, because that was the crumbling of the old paradigm and the old way. And we see it playing out right now with the banking crises. And I mean, I just think that it's all going to be interconnected in a really interesting way.
0: Well, and all that banking stuff happened when Pluto was at 29 degrees and, like, 59 minutes of Capricorn, right? Like, that was, like, the last hurrah, if we're talking about the the very last degree of a sign. Like, that's when stuff happens. And I was laughing. Only people who watch Bravo or pay attention to it will understand this. But High Priestess of Brooklyn posted a story talking about if you have planets at 29 degrees in your chart – Uh, You may be a table flipper, which is a reference to one of the Real Housewives of New Jersey who, like, in the first season flipped a table because she was angry at someone. But it's, like, that last degree, especially when we're talking about Pluto, that is, like, going to change stuff dramatically. It's a big pow. Pow at the end before it changes signs. And because Pluto is not sticking around in Aquarius, you know, he's going to go back and forth a couple of times. It's not the last that we've seen of that scraping out the underbelly of things, right? Pluto is the underworld. So we're talking about things that are hidden. We're talking about plutocracy, right? Rich people who, Mm. like, rule the world. So especially when we're talking about Capricorn and money and banks and all of that stuff. And, like, it's going to be wild. (laughs) And aliens. (laughs) We're going to need to track because as... You and I have said
1: several times, Pluto is not staying in Aquarius. It will retrograde back. So July 6th, Pluto will be back at that 29 degree...
0: Just in time for America's birthday.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, So
0: it'll be interesting to see what happens. And we just sit back and watch, right? And if you have your own stuff at the late degrees of Capricorn or early degrees of Aquarius opportunity for growth opportunity for transformation just know you're going to be feeling it for a little while and that's okay
1: yep pluto will show up and it's all for you not to you yes
0: unless you choose for it to be to you which is make probably going to make your life a lot harder
1: yeah yeah don't do that to yourself
0: <laughs> i would well, recommend all a choice okay well we didn't really get into some of the stuff we were going to talk about but that's okay. No, we did. We did. We, we covered of it. Yeah, we hit all of our notes. We did it. We mentioned it all. If you are a Bravo fan and are getting any of these references, please let me know because I want to talk about Bravo with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I don't know anything about Bravo, so don't talk to me.
0: Talk to Lynette. <laughs> <talk to laughs> Don't worry, I'm educating you a little by little. <laughs> yes,
1: I think I'm like the only person. I'm I'm like out of the loop on all the. No, things. there are a
0: lot of people. I'm just I'm like an OG, like since a million years ago when it first started, um, and now it's just part of my life that I can't let go. You know, so I support not, it. Thank you, I support you learning about revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I had a lot to
1: learn, apparently.
0: All right. Well, thank you for another lovely forecast, Dana. Thank you yes. for listening. And me, Dana, and Vinny will be back for the May forecast.
1: Yes, we'll all be back. Oh. I hope you all heard that little baby noise. Um, don't worry, we'll edit out the farts and burps that happened along the way
0: <laughs> if we can maybe some of them are like we'll try yeah we'll do our best. <laughs> all right have a good month everyone later skaters Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of It's Astrological. I hope that you are ready to seize Aries season, to not worry about Mercury retrograde, and maybe tap into the fire parts of your chart in a new way with all of these new revelations and insights that Dana and I had on today's episode. As always, I would be so grateful if you shared this episode on your social media or with a friend who you think might benefit from a little more pep in their Aries season step. And I would be extra grateful if you wrote a review on Apple Podcasts or rated the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That would just make me so happy. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one, I am accepting bookings for readings and I do natal chart, I do cosmic cycles, and I do locational astrology, which is one of my personal favorites. Or we can do a mix of a little bit of everything. And it's always an honor to work with you one-on-one, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And if that's something that you would like to do, you can book at cosmicmoves.com shop. Thank you so much for listening, spending some time with me today, wherever you are in the world, here's wishing you a happy airy season and a happy and stellar day. Take care. Bye.